Oh, Lord. Uh, what's good, everybody? It's Jet Black History, and we are back at it again with another episode of The Zone Podcast. With me today, we have the Fancy Club president, Coke Pigatsu. How are you doing today, sir? Man, doing pretty good. <clears throat> doing pretty good. If you guys have been following our media, you know that I've already started working on two big projects, so I'm pretty excited to see how them's going out right now. So, you know, we definitely get the ball rolling for 2023 here. Indeed, indeed. Uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm kind of fighting a sickness right now. I've been sick for like the past few uh, days, but I gotta push through. I gotta do it for the podcast. I gotta do it for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we, always, uh, we always push it through. Sick as hell. <laughs> Forgive me. I've been hearing me cough constantly. Sick as hell. Hey, pushing through. Listen. Pushing through. Hey, listen. We got good news and we got some bad news. Good news. The podcast have subscriptions now. If you click the support show link attached to every episode, you can give us three to ten dollars a month. If you like what we do, if you want to keep us, keep it going. You know what I mean? Like normally it'd be like I'm I'm kind of doing the podcast just for uh, you know, it's a platform to where I can finally vent my praise and rage against some of these projects, these this content that's coming out. But, uh, you know, a little monetary revenue is appreciated, of course, because, you know, if you're not exactly digging the audio quality of our podcast or anything like that, if you think we should be going to video or, you know, be like some of the YouTube and whatnot, we want to, we really do, but our circumstances to where we kind of, hey, I'm not big enough to, to um, deny that I kind of would appreciate the help, but I'm not going to force y'all. It's like, it's up to you, but you know, support show link if you want to give us anywhere between three to ten dollars a month to help us keep things going i would heavily appreciate that now that's the good news the bad news is Doma episode three came out and it gets worse if you consider how they take a lot of swipes against mental health and therapy Check it out if you will. A lot of people are just not digging this show, Kokugasu, and I kind of see why, but at the same time, I don't completely hate it. It just, sometimes it makes me laugh genuinely. Other times it's just so bad. I just want to bust out laughing ironically. And I'm just like, oh my God, it is so bad. It's laughable. And I guess that counts as it being funny, but it's intentional or not. So I guess points to them for making me laugh in ways that I thought I wouldn't. But at the same time, it's like I can't agree with it on a general level. It's like it kind of feels like a character assassination. Character assassination and bastardization of (laughs) legacy. Well, I still ain't seen it yet. I'm a I'm probably gonna give some time to it. I just don't know, cause a lot from what I'm, know, from what I'm understanding you're... about it. 
I'm maybe. thinking maybe you might like it a little bit more, but it's almost like, bro, bro, what is happening with this series? I don't know. I don't know, bro. I'm hearing it's so bad it's not good. Not even one of those cases of like, oh, it's so bad that it's good. No, no, it's that. I'm hearing, nope, it's just bad. Like, straight up, it's just like, it's just bad. No, no, like, it's so bad. bad that people love to hate it. That's the thing. It's like the second Dude. wave. It's like She-Hulk all over again. It's like, you kind of... You know how they hate watching it. It's like, oh my god, it's so bad. I kind of want to see what they do next. <laughs> I want to watch. I want to watch it so I can hate on everything that they're talking about. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and like, you, you're doing a Kardashian thing on that point. Like, you know, okay, so all publicity is good publicity at this point. You say, oh, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching the show. How much? I, like, I'm showing how much I always hate you. I hated this episode because this, and I hate it when you did this. And all I'm hearing is, so you watched it though. <laughs> yeah see that's just my thing yes I'm watching it I don't completely hate it but there are just bits and pieces where I do have my criticisms but I'm not taking it that seriously at least I can admit that I'm watching it just for the shits and giggles yeah it's true but yeah, it's true. Uh, enough about that <laughs> let's get into the main meat of why we're doing this podcast today Remember back when we were trying to do an extreme review on Bleach? Well, we're getting back into that now. This is a review on the Soul Society arc. And without further ado, Kokugatsu, let's jump into DeLorean and jump back in time. Without further ado, let's zone in on it. Ah, man. Soul Society arc. I remember first time seeing it where, okay, Rukia has to go back to the Soul Society with Renji and her brother, Abiyakia, and she's facing execution, and there's a whole bunch of layers to this plot, and you see the character development kind of unfurling. You meet new characters that's going to be forever remembered some going to be forgotten i'm i'm not gonna lie i did forget some i'm sorry i'm sorry but you got a lot of characters as a whole in bleach not all of them gonna live rent free in my head okay but you gotta be honest there's some characters that just leave a very strong impression on you hisugaya kimpachi Rangiku, renji Biakia, uh, Captain uh, Yamamoto, Aizen, Ichimaru, uh, Masuri, you know, the guy from Research and Development. A whole bunch of people. Like, some people, yeah, obviously they're going to be remembered. Others, like, you know, like maybe like some of the lieutenants or some of the people that's in that squad, but they don't get that much spotlight. Yeah, uh, sorry, but, eh. But, Koku, how you feeling about this art? So side art was actually pretty good. So it was one of those ones that like after we finally got through, you know, being with, you know, the very <coughs> introduction to substitute, you know, Shinigami art. And then we finally get to this point. And it's like, oh, we're about to go meet the actual Shinigamis. We're about to go meet all these dangerous head dudes. That's in char- these head people that are in charge. And you're about to see shit that goes left. And it's like. Oh, okay, okay. So stuff's about to happen right now. Stuff's about to happen right now. What's about to happen? And 
so it's kind of interesting in this aspect because you don't know exactly everything that's about to happen. But then it changes. So now we're like, okay, we are here, but we're not here. Because at the very beginning of the Soul Society arc, you're not into the soul, not technically into the center of the Soul Society yet. You're on the outskirts. <laughs> so it's like, ah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. So we have to find our way to get into the center to be able to fight all the main Shinigami that you need to get to. There's, that's where Ruki is at. But they're stuck on the outside. And they're like, all right, you're on the outside and we need to see what it is that we're going to do. So they go around and now they're finding all, you know, like the people who have died you know, all the people who are just waiting to be reincarnated and stuff. And they're just kind of just like people just living their normal lives and stuff. And then this is also where you kind of have the understanding that there are some people who are born technically in the afterlife. They never actually existed in the real world before. They've only been born in the afterlife, which was very interesting because <laughs> one of those things like, so you were born <coughs> dead? <coughs> I'm confused. <laughs> and he was born dead? I'm lost. Wait a second. <laughs> it's not one of those things to think too hard about. But yes, technically some are born dead. <laughs> However, it's also a very great concept that they uh, really kind of tune, uh, tuned in more to. Um, this is actually kind of a mix of both Japanese and Chinese mythology, where it's believed that, you know, once you go go to the afterlife as you're waiting for reincarnation, uh, what winds up happening is is that you don't you, you don't have a need for anything. You're just living your normal day to day life, but you never have to use the bathroom. You never have to eat or anything like that. You're just going through normal day to day life until you get reincarnated. That is, unless of course you're actually really really evil spirit, then you go to hell. And then introduce this aspect of well, there's some people who was born to have or either that was born or were humans and then came to afterlife that had extreme amounts of spiritual energy or spiritual pressure, as it is called in, in English translation. But uh, they have a lot of spiritual pressure. And the more spiritual pressure you have, eventually you'll start getting to the point that you have to eat because your spiritual pressure starts destroying at your body if you don't consume food regularly which makes sense to the whole aspect of this is why we give food to the dead. It's like it's not giving it to those who don't need it. You're giving it to those who do need it. So that way they don't become evil, vengeful spirits that are like extremely starving and hungry and stuff. It was like, okay, interesting. So some people have to eat. And if you're unlucky enough to have to eat, well, the dis- some districts that you live in, are not nice to you about that. You still have to have some form of money. <laughs> and it's like, we're in the afterlife, dude. We don't, why do we need fucking money? Because I don't give a fuck. I'm a greedy-ass bastard. I need some money, even in the afterlife. You can't take it with you to the living world. I don't care. While I'm here, I need my monies, dude. It's like, shit, bro. Can't even enjoy free life in heaven. So if you got to eat and you ain't got no money, congratulations. You're now a poor person stealing from people. Uh, it's literally like they're saying if you ain't got no money take your broke ass home exactly but then it's one of those things it's like dang you just ruined the afterlife for me like at that point shit like, what's the point of the afterlife what's the point in this now like, there's no point you can't escape you can't escape me, the fact that you're monetizing money in the afterlife like the fuck 
Yeah, and you can't escape it, bro. Like you, you can't escape it. You're just there. You're stuck. And so you're like, well, fuck. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. <laughs> like, imagine a living person meeting a dead person who happened to be, uh, happened to be in this soul society, and it's like, hey, what's heaven like? I was like, bro, it's bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Like exactly. It just it made heaven suck. But I mean. It, it happens, I guess. You know, human souls are really corruptible, regardless. So that's just how shit works. Um, I will say so. The, the intro to the Soul Society arc, as you're understanding the districts, like I like that there's so much background written, like with such an excellent like writing into the background, the districts. That there's so much that's there, and there's a reason every character is the way they are, especially when you finally get into the Soul Society. You know, like into the center when you finally get into like through the academy and like actually meet all the head Shinigami, even some of just the regular ones. I say regular ones, but you know, if you're not a captain lieutenant, you're a regular Shinigami. So <laughs> they come from various different divisions and stuff. And there's if you're so not much... a captain or a lieutenant, you're a scrub. Pretty much, unless you're Ikaku. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. different. Unless you actually have the ability to become a captain or a lieutenant, but you say no, I don't feel like doing it, type of thing. But if you don't have that type of ability or th- you you command no authority, you're just pretty much nothing. You have no so, power here. <laughs> exactly. But um, and so much that we kind of like that to really dive into is one of those ones that is. I'm also happy that for the Soul Society art, if you choose to. There are so many light novels for like various different parts of the Soul Society and all the the, um, the thirteen division, all the divisions and stuff. All of the original captains, even captains before um, before head captain Yamamoto, which technically he's the one who started the um, academy, but he was not the original head captain. He became head captain after, you know, taking over from some of the previous ones. Decided to move on, and then also in case you don't know too, it's just little fun thing that that was interesting to me into this they did briefly mention this in the soul society arc and didn't really touch base on it again until the um until you when you walk showed up so as far as one thing just briefly understanding is that there is a soul society for technically for every single town um as far as like how the 13 the division is divided up and some of them have just different cities Technically, this is still only the Soul Society for Japan. There is a Soul Society for every single, not necessarily country, but in a sense, religion, per se. So, what you're (laughs) saying is, even the Soul Society is classes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. (laughs) Okay. It sucks. (laughs) No, no, and it sucks. But yeah, but... um. The thing about it is, is that you don't wind up hearing about this. You only find out about this information through the night novels, which really sucks because it's like, bruh, this is like such good information. And you'd be wondering like, hey, so if there are other Soul Society members, how come they didn't ask for help? And you're just like, oh, whatever. But it's one of those things that it is briefly mentioned here, but they don't talk about it, obviously, as much. But it is pretty awesome, though. Um when you finally get into the center, that's when things start really getting good. But that definitely beginning part, like it, it feels boring, but it tells a really great story. And it's just one of those ones that you just, if you actually just literally listen and just read it, or if you're reading the manga, it's really good. 
Hold up. Not that I think about it. Mm -hmm. I think about it because I played the game. I don't know about the book, but I definitely played the game. For some reason, this art kind of reminds me of Dante's Inferno. Ah, not quite. Not quite. I can I can see. I can't see how you would feel that way. Not exactly quite because it's not like different levels of hell per se. Is it that's does Dante's Inferno is mostly hell. I think like depending on the new hell arc as it's going along, then maybe that might be might fit more. But I can I can see your point into it. But I would say Dante's Inferno focuses so much more on hell versus Soul Society is the afterlife of waiting for reincarnation. Because also remember okay, Dante's so Inferno like, is based on extreme okay. relief. No, no reincarnation in that whatsoever. You made a hell, you're stuck there forever and ever. Okay, so it's not Dante's Inferno, but it kind of sounds like that, except you're more like in purgatory. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm being stupid. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> you're good. I mean, in all honesty, it would definitely feel like purgatory. If I was told that, hey, you know, you're going to a better place. You're going to the Soul Society. And I'm thinking, oh, Soul Society is like heaven. No. No. Also keep that in mind, too. Technically, Soul Society is not actually heaven at all. So, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there, but there's a difference. It's not heaven at all. Okay. It's where you're waiting for reincarnation. So, unfortunately, there are probably some really bad people who may have, like, may, like kind of recompensed their life a little bit. And uh, decided not to do so bad, and still kind of went to the Soul Society, but didn't go to hell and stuff like that. I don't know. This is this bullshit. This is bullshit. I would explain how, if you kind of analyze it from a real life perspective, it's like you're wondering why is it that we always have all these bad people coming in waves, like uh, every generation or so. We always have like this spawn of Satan um, showing up and fucking things up. And you're just like, you know, if you think about reincarnation, if that was a thing, I'm like, I can kind of see it now. Because, yeah. you know, uh, in, in one way, like, things are changing, but at the same time, you know, the old saying, um, there's nothing new under the sun. It's like the same bullshit, but in different layers and all that shit. So, yeah, you kind of see it. it's just like a just a new shade of gray, essentially. I don't know. So I, don't know. I could definitely see that, yeah. But yeah, it, it is very interesting on how it is that he was able to really like create this world based upon all these different um all these different beliefs and stuff and still put them together in a sense and still kind of kind of make it work. But when you first watching the Soul Society arc, I say watching because I know we're mostly doing a review on the, on the anime. But even still, like even reading the manga, you you definitely can understand that there is a very big difference in this. And sometimes it can get confusing. Like as a, like when we were younger watching this, it was definitely confusing to me. I'm not gonna lie. But as I got older and just kind of like learned to just appreciate and just read it. It became much better. I could definitely like see it, and I could definitely understand it better. But watching it young, eh, not as much. So I will say it does. It gets confusing, and it kind of feels lost because when you watch Bleach, you're immediately thinking, "Oh, this is an action anime," 
And it's like, yes, this is an action anime, but it's also a, a world building anime. Like there's a lot of stuff that gets talked about here. There's a lot of emotions and feelings that appear, but is can you really see them? Can you really feel them and understand them? And sometimes if you're young, you're not going to quite get that. So Bleach is great for young audiences as far as its action scenes, but definitely for older audiences, you will appreciate more of this, more of the undertone values that you see into it. And the Soul Society arc does a great job in kind of giving you an idea of that also, at least from like the background perspectives of some of the characters. All right. That's all I got for background stuff. Spent a lot of time talking about that. So let's talk about the getting into the Soul Society arc. So we start off on the outside and they try to go through the big gate. And then, you know, we got this really big dude showing like stopping right here. He's like, hmm, you have to defeat me to go through. And he just goes like, huh, I got this, guys. And he goes and, you know, he defeats him. And then they're like, oh, man, you can go ahead. You can go through the gate. You know, it wasn't easy. They didn't defeat him the first time. It took a second time. But yeah, <laughs> goes through. They find defeat him. And they're like, oh, yeah, you've earned the right to go through the gate. So then as soon as he moves out to the side, all of a sudden, you know, we finally are introduced to one of our captains. And this is like an early on sign to be introduced to a captain. It's very interesting. So you're introduced to a captain, none other than Gen Ichimaru himself. The fox. Oh nigga. Lord. Uh, okay. Okay. Pause. You go ahead. Go ahead. Let's talk about Ichimaru for a minute. This is the kind of dude where you just look at him and you're thinking this dude is shady. I don't trust him. And then he kind of throws you off to where okay, he's not that bad of a guy. I mean, he he kind of looks like a shady guy, but he's not a bad guy, right? No. Don't don't you believe that, and you will know why later. <laughs> you are exactly right to say that. This that is shady. technically you're wrong about Gian Ichimaru twice when you're watching the show. Like you said, like at the beginning, you're thinking, "Oh, he's not he's not necessarily that much of a bad guy." Oh no, he's a bad guy. Oh my god. Then later on, man, he's a horrible, evil person. And then you find out more of who he really is up, up until the point he dies, and you're like, "Well, damn." <laughs> Was he a bad guy? Was he not a bad guy? <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, shout out to Totally Not Mark for this one because uh, he kind of did um, remind me of, of points where essentially with the other captains when they meet up and Ichimaru uh, meets up with these captains and they were discussing about how uh, oh uh, a powerful uh, presence has just entered the soul society. Um, do you know anything about that? And I was like, no. And then the captain were like, you do know that we all can tell when a powerful presence uh, is nearby. So it's almost like they have like this connection mm-hmm. to where they can tell that Ichimaru should know something about it, but Ichimaru is like intentionally withholding information and that just throws the whole thing off to where it's like that's how you know he's such because the mere fact that he's allowing Ichigo to progress through even though he could have killed Ichigo on the spot, he's up to something. Exactly. Because that was one of the things that was just like, okay, so you stopped him. You could stop him from coming in. You could have completely ended this and he would have never gotten this far, but you let him for whatever reason. And so, you know, you did have people questioning that shit. They were like, why, again, why did you not do something? 
And he's like, what were you talking about? I did do something. I stopped them from coming through. He said, no. No, you he didn't. didn't. <laughs> one of our people and just scared them, per se. You rolled an intimidation check, and you were just like, okay, I'm just going to let them through anyways. Yeah, yeah. Like, you rolled an intimidation check, and it's like, now, now it's time for battle. And you're like, eh, I'm going to run away. Like, nigga, what? Why did you do this? You could have done something, but you didn't. But it's also one of those things of understanding that Gein is just like, I still think the most dangerous thing about Gein specifically is that regardless of anything, like I said, you, you're wrong about him twice as you're watching it, like literally. And uh, definitely um, a lot of the Bleach reviewers that I was watching as well on YouTube, um, two guys, I know it was Tommy and um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but both of them did reviews on Gein and they, it's a, Gein is a great person to really talk about in Bleach because he he's one of those characters that is mysterious all the way through. No matter what, you never get the full information out of him. <laughs> like literally guaranteed out of this for Gein, he could literally he's he's the only character that can show you his bankai and you still have absolutely no idea what his bankai is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm some real shit. <laughs> I'm some real shit. He's the only person that can literally do this. He will he literally show you your bankai and then does not. When you first meet him, you think that he's a fox, but realistically, he's the embodiment of a snake. The slanted eyes, though. That's just the thing. Yeah, yeah. Slanted eyes. He gives off fox like. See, that's the thing. It's like, exactly. you know, in Japanese folklore, the fox is usually the trickster. There it is. Yes. That's your tail right there. Yeah, and it's the fox eyes and shit like that. But then you get that wrong too because it's it's made to portray that. He's portrayed to have the slice, even when he grins, when he's drawn, like having his grin all the time, because he genuinely smiles like almost 80% of the whole anime and manga. He's he's literally grinning 80% of the hey, time. What shit gets say? bad. He's A smile grinning. is the perfect mask. Exactly. And this dude wears that smile perfectly. And it looks like a fox. But then when you think about it, when you once you realize that, no, his character is not the embodiment of a fox, but the embodiment of a snake. And when you finally understand that, you can clearly see, oh, his grin does have a little bit of a point at the bottom. It's not mm. rounded like a fox's face. It's pointed like the, like a sharp, like the sharp edge of a, of a snake. You see how his eyes slant. His eyes don't just, he doesn't just have fox eyes of just there. His eyes are overly slanted to be more of a snake. You can literally put a snake, like a, how you would draw like a snake or the front of a snake's head and put it right in front of his face and it matches almost perfectly. But it will also seem to be like a fox. Like you would think it is. And again, a proven trickster. And it's like, Gene is that character. And you, you understand when you first Christ, just imagine uh just a conversation between uh Ichimaru and Loki. Bruh, exactly. No, I don't know. Not not even per se specific, because like I said, once you really know game, which I mean we won't get further into that until like, you know, the uh second Karakura town arc. But so way later. But even then, like when you first meet him, yeah, you probably be like him and Loki, you'd be like, y'all perfect tricksters or some shit. Then you realize, no, you, not quite. Uh, there's but more layers to that, though. There is. There is, definitely. I would probably say, if you say Loki, I would say Loki from the Loki series. Not Loki from comics, not Loki from... No, no, um, no, no. I wasn't yeah, saying from, from the comics. Oh, no, 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 no. I meant the uh, series. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, from the, the series Loki, Loki. Yeah, both of them would definitely would definitely get along very well. I would say that in that aspect. <clears throat> Yeah. A matured, better Loki, yes. 
But um, <laughs> gosh almighty. But yeah, we got uh, Gene just he shows up, and he immediately just unleashes his shikai. Doesn't he? Just unleashes his shikai, and they're like, "Oh, okay." And immediately slices dude's big dude's arm off like it was nothing. And this is one of the things about it that also show the importance of class per se. This big guy, his job is to keep people from getting into the center part of the soul society where all the Shinigamis are at. Like he's to keep people out. That's his duty. But even when he gets injured, the people of the town still care for him. They still help him out. They help nurture him back to health. When literally when Gein denied um, the fourth division from assisting him. Because Gein actually, did, he did. He he denied them to help him. He says, no, you're not going to get the help because you were weak. They literally said that. And so it winds up being the people of the town that actually help him out, that actually nurture him back to, kind of nurture him back to health in a sense. And that's, that in itself is crazy when you understand that there's this big class system, but who's really the better class? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And then disappears, like you said, rolls intimidation. It is like, and intimidated, and I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, so <clears throat> so we got the introduction is very intro 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 in itself. We meet Gunryu, Gunryu's sister. I will say, I'm not gonna lie, bro. <laughs> Obviously, it was high school reading this manga. This was uh, what was the name? Uh, Kukaku. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'm yeah, not okay. gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. That was the first Bleach manga I ever bought was the one with her on the front cover. And I'm not going to lie, I bought it because she had big titties. I'm not going to lie, we're just going to be realistic there. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. But to Bleach's credit, some of these characters are memorable because like, look at the way they're um, built. Like, I mean, not just Kutaku, but look at Rangiku. Look at Orihime. Look at Yoriichi. Like, come on, bro. Look at Nelly L. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, <laughs> just saying. I mean, bro. fucking uh, Tia Haribel. Uh, ooh, yeah, Har- ooh, Haribel. Ooh, ooh, we ain't even got there yet. But when Haribel was introduced, I know, I, was I know. Like, but I'm just saying, like, uh, just to throw out examples, like, I mean, it's an extreme review. We're gonna get there eventually, but I'm just foreshadowing what we're gonna be talking about. True, true. But yeah, let's give Bleach credit. Now and this is the thing. There's, there's respect to all. There's respect to all sizes. Okay, you know we have Rukia, we have Soy Phone. There's respect to all sizes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm not. This, I mean, this, this is true. Hell, look, I still remember them. They're, they're cool and all that. It's just, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, <clears throat> yeah. No, I'm it's almost like either you have like a little. How can I put it? Either you have a modest size, or you're you're well endowed. There's there's almost like no in between. Exactly. There's like almost exactly. no in between. It's like either uh, you're. I think they even make jokes about it to a degree. Um, I don't know. They do. They make tons of jokes about it. Actually, mostly between Rangi Kun or Hime, but yes. But um, <clears throat> so yes, yeah, like love old girl. But you know she she's like fireworks expert, and so they're using their idea. They're like, "Hey, what we can do is this: we could launch you over the wall into the soul society, and they would never know that you're coming." And this is one of the funniest things, specifically where even old man Yama had had like literally said this. 
He said, the minute that you crossed the wall, he said, we already knew that you was there. <laughs> he said, but we was already dealing with something, so we didn't really feel like sending our forces to kill you. <laughs> we purposely let you in. And it was like, wait, what? It was like, you think that we're slow enough to be like, oh, oh all we have is just this wall? This ain't China, nigga. <laughs> mm-hmm. We ain't got Ooh. just this great wall and that's it. There's a whole force field over, over this place. As soon as you cross the force field, we knew you was here. <laughs> just, this was a big it's so funny as hell, but it's like just, just straight up telling him, yeah, we know we already knew when you came in. He said, No, honestly, we knew he was going to when you when the, the guard, the front gate was was attacked. Like every captain, every vice captain, every lieutenant, all of us knew. Every one of us knew that you was here. Like there was no question about it. We knew he was coming when we brought Rukia. That's just what it was. <laughs> Who do you think issued out the order to bring Rukia back? Because like, well, technically it wasn't really head captain on most. That was actually a whole different thing, but yeah. And of course, no, we wound up getting our, our B plot that aside from our main character, Soul Society is actually dealing with some drama because around this time, uh, that's when Eisen's dead body winds up showing up. <laughs> Let's talk about Eisen's trickery here, bro. You want to talk about true trickster? Literally, the, the ultimate trickster in the series is Aizen. But then the bad part about it is, is that what most people still misunderstood is that we go through the entire series, the entire series, and everyone talks about how dangerous Aizen is, but we have never, not one time, seen his Bankai. Actually, no. Uh, hold on. Let me pause right there. <laughs> what I like about this is maybe it's been done before, uh, but... I want to say um, with Aizen, he is definitely a prime example of one of those tropes that I like to where, okay, somebody killed Aizen or somebody killed this person. And now we need to figure out who's behind all these murders. And then next thing you know, you would never suspect that the first person that got murdered staged their own murder to be the actual culprit. It's like, it's like Danganronpa. If you've seen that one to where, okay, Junko Inoshima, uh, she was the first one to bite it, but it turns out that she was the mastermind behind the whole thing. So it's almost like that subversion of expectation to where you would never suspect a dead person to be behind it. So that's the perfect cover. So it's like, okay, uh, now that they think I'm dead, I can um, progress with my plan without them suspecting me because they think I'm dead. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly and it does want to be in those cases that that's how it's supposed to work out and then like the thing about it is, is that Eisen stays you know dead for a good port for pretty much the entire soul society arc it doesn't ha- it doesn't show up until he doesn't show back up again so yes, much later that's the beautiful part is like he waits till the last minute to be like surprise I was behind the whole damn thing so one thing and by the way flick back the hair get rid yes. of the glasses yeah <laughs> I never needed these glasses to begin with. This was a trickery from the beginning. <laughs> oh, no, these weren't prescriptions. These are just um, some computer glasses I use just to, uh, just for style, you know. Exactly. Clark, look at Clark Kent is your ass. This whole time I was Superman, but you thought I was Clark Kent, nigga. <laughs> the fact that he had the um, little fucking squiggly thing, too. It was almost like, bro, it's like Superman, but 
but in the it's like oh my god, I want to say Superman, but in bizarre world, but this is like an alternate bizarre world where Superman just turned out to be the bad guy. And I was like, wait a minute. Uh, we did just got through doing reviews on Invincible and the boys. Did. Okay, <laughs> we did. <laughs> I'm sorry, derailing. But point being, yeah, this is why I like Eisen as a villain. Just the the kind of dude that's like you don't really know what he's up to until it's already too late. Unfortunately, but that's usually how it works out. Like the thing about it is, he's he's excellent. Like as most people would call a chess player per se, he's the ultimate strategist because literally the thing about Eisen is that he's one of those dudes that you just like, you've got to be very wary of. If you're not wary of him and understand that he thinks through everything, the ultimate opposite to Urahara, honestly, he really is. The, the main man that coined according to Keikoku. Yeah, Exactly. The main man that's behind everything, every bad thing that happens to soul society for the past like hundred years, literally. And so it's like we literally go from he, he's the cause of everything. He's the reason that Ichigo exists. And he's not you're not wrong. He he says I I'm the one who created you. And this is the truth. <laughs> but again, more on that later. <laughs> it's like it's, see, here's the thing. It's like before we even got into Jojo Bizarre Adventure, by the way, we just Got through doing Stone Ocean. If y'all didn't listen to the episode, check it out if you want to. But we just got through doing Stone Ocean, and like as a whole, you're thinking with the whole JoJo franchise, you have this one villain deal who's like behind everything. Like whether it's like loosely connected or not, it's like when you really think about it, um, stands exist because of Dio. So even if like say part four or part five, where it's like okay, this has nothing to do with Dio. But technically it does because they wouldn't even have stance without Dio. And that's the same thing with Eisen, where it's like Ichigo wouldn't even be who he is without him. So it's like, bro, like the layers to these plans to a point where you're literally creating the foil to your own plan. True. I wouldn't say say, say stands wouldn't exist because of Dio. People definitely had stands outside of it. It's just that there would not be as many stand users and there would not be like a major stand war. If it wasn't for Dio, which was definitely proven at the end of Stone Ocean. But I thought uh, definitely was- when uh, Dio took um, Jonathan's body and that just pretty much he became the godfather of Stan. I thought it was like that. Nope. I don't know. Nope. Because the uh, I'm gonna, probably just, just going to quickly mention this because it's definitely not bleach, but it's important still. Um, <laughs> you're fine. The old hag, she gave Dio his stand. She oh, she knew of stands right. and stuff. Remember, stands like that meteorite crashed down years and years ago, and the humans had turned it into the arrows, and that's when the, the abilities of stands. So this that was well before Dio, before um, Jonathan, before before the Joe Stars bloodline whatsoever. There was always um, there was always stands. It just they didn't become as apparent until Dio discovered it in his search and in his quest for power. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> but the Joe Stars would have never had stands if it wasn't for Dio. But yeah, no, he was not the Godfather. He just wound up being blessed with the most powerful stand in existence that he didn't think would even happen. The ability to stop time. And let's speak of this as well. You want to talk about like stopping time per se. There's not necessarily a Bleach character who actually stops time, but the closest that you come to it is fucking Aizen in some real shit, okay? <laughs> 
understanding that this dude has the ability because we, we understand we learn early on that he is also a person who lied about his bankai and his um shikai ability that in actuality is complete illusion sensory and we learned that during the soul society arc but you want to talk about the fact that you're like damn near stopping time this dude can create an illusion can create an illusion to the point where you absolutely still believe that this is real and you wouldn't even realize that he could be doing something and you're like you could literally be stuck you're doing something and to you it's like oh no time passed but because he he can manipulate fucking time he can manipulate your mindset of time and he does this in the soul society art just briefly he doesn't do it again until you know once you walk comes shows up and like during his first Quincy invasion way later on, but like literally he does, he does do it briefly against Momo. And he does, of course, against Hitsugaya where he's able to still get things done. He's literally kept on a continual illusion to the point that everyone thinks that not just to go that, that the Gote 13 thinks that the main division, that the main, um, the main head honchos that's in like the office are still in the office working. Everyone thinks that they're in this office working, but they have been dead for years. <laughs> and no one knew a thing. <laughs> Because that's just how powerful this dude's fucking spiritual pressure is that he can just activate the Shikai here and that you will always be under the manipulation that these people were dead. (laughs) Dude literally is so damn powerful that he can just tell his sword, hey, become me. And then send his sword, and then literally his sword will just, tr- in a sense, transform. It doesn't even transform. It's just the fact that literally, because you've seen the Shikai, you're under his hypnosis. And so literally, this dude will literally just have his sword going around doing different shit, pretending to be him the whole time. It's a fucking floating sword. It's a fucking floating sword there, but you don't see it's a floating sword. You just see, oh, this is Eisen, and he's talking to me, have a conversation. Meanwhile, I is off doing some other shit. <laughs> you want to talk about fucking broken ass abilities? <laughs> Dio's broken ass ability is to stop the world. Isaac's broken ass ability is the fact that he's like, I can control all of your senses. Taste, touch, smell, everything, including your sixth sense. You can't sense that I'm not there because technically my spiritual pressure is there. It's just my sword. But you don't know that it's not me there. Fucking broken ass ability. Like, what the hell? <laughs> that kind of reminds me of when we were talking about um, Poochie to where with his abilities and that one time where uh, he uh, got to a point to where I can technically make it look like I'm not there because I'm like, moving in between the gaps of your uh, eyes you know that kind of technicality shit to where it's like um technically i'm there but i'm not i mean the things that dwarfs do they move within the space between spaces yeah (laughs) bringing in god of war here in case y'all didn't realize this is where like it really became popular about this was also god of war also so i still haven't played right and wrong don't talk to me about it yet I'm going to play it anyway. <laughs> we'll wait for the God of War uh, extreme review for that. Most definitely. But yeah, it can move between spaces, between spaces. But yes, 
it's like every anime has to have like you know main villain has to have some broken ass ability but it's like bro how broken is Aiden's ability <laughs> like literally just absolutely fucking broken for no reason just just for no reason this dude was blessed with a broken ass ability <laughs> and his mindset was i'm going to become the god of this world <laughs> i mean what did abe lincoln said if you want to test a man's character give him power you ain't wrong. You are not wrong. So, in the Soul Society arc, some of the best things that we have, of course, is the fights. So, kind of go ahead and moving past, because realistically, the story is this: our main characters make it into the center, make it make it into the um the, the center part of the Soul Society. They're now infiltrated to Gote Thirteen. They're pretty much fighting to rescue Rukia. Right before Rukia dies, Aizen shows up at the last minute, and we're thinking that our heroes are going to stop it, but Aizen stops it, and he winds up finding a way to doing what he wanted to do. Before, he needed Rukia to die in order to distract the Hogyoku from her, because we find out that, that um, of course, you know, our main man that we love, Hat and Clogs, is not who we say he is. Uh, Urahara definitely tricked Rukia and wound up hiding the Hogyoku inside of her. And in order to try to like hide it away and stuff. However, he thought that he was able to do it without Aizen noticing. Unfortunately, Aizen did notice. And Aizen's like, I need that Hogyoku. I need your Hogyoku in order to mix with my Hogyoku so we can make the perfect Hogyoku. <laughs> of course. Just 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 keeping to the count. And that pretty much kicks off the whole Hueco Mundo Arankar Espada arc that we got dragged out into. But honestly. I would say, aside from the Soul Society art, the whole Hueco Mundo thing, that was like one of the best things I've seen in anime. To be honest with you, yes. I definitely agree with you on that. Like, I will say, following up from Soul Society onto that is, was really fantastic. The only thing you don't like for the Soul Society, I'm just briefly mention, I don't like the in-between. The whole waiting for Aizen to show up was it was boring and you could tell even the character this one was ones that you could tell the characters were fucking bored as hell too <laughs> like that's one of those ones they're just like we're just kind of waiting for Eisen to make a move or at least get orders to see what we're supposed to do so until then we're just kind of hanging out hey <laughs> the fucking fillers was bullshit but <laughs> still back into um so yeah that's pretty much the story into that Eisen shows up stops at that moment um, and we find out that it was three captains. It wasn't just Eisen. It was Eisen, Gin, and I'm very frustrated. I do not remember this guy's name, but the blind guy. Um, <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel bad. with a T. We just knew. We knew he was. He was a very important character. He was very good. I mean, not Tenson? good. Was it Tenson? I think it was Tenson. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It sounds about right. It'd be the one time I do a review that I don't have my laptop. <laughs> Same here, honestly. But we're so, both kind of like mobile right now uh, because things happen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Tenzin. So we wound up having Tenzin. You know, we find out it was three people that wound up betraying and they wound up stopping everything from happening. So. It, the storyline was was very simple in itself. Um, of course, you know we find out that there is corruption inside of the Soul Society, and you know there was 
obviously stuff had been going on for a very long time and now the captains have to figure stuff out. They have to figure out how long has this been going on, what has actually been happening, so they can try to be prepared for whatever Eisen's plans are and figure things out. <laughs> so now, as far as the main juicy part of our favorite, favorite Soul Society arc is the battles. This one, we may be able to finish covering today, but I don't know. We might not, but we're going to try. We're going to definitely try. So, starting off our very first fight in um, in Soul Society, well, in the actual Gotei 13, is Ichigo versus Ikaku Madarame. <clears throat> oh, boy, that dude is built different. <laughs> Ikaku is definitely built different. <laughs> Finding out dude was holding back the whole fight, too, as well. That's the worst part about it. I think it was really just holding back. You know, not to disrespect Ikaku, but it's like... It, you almost can't help it when you remember Ikaku so well that as soon as One Punch Man came out, it's like, Ikaku, is that you? <laughs> Bro, right. Yeah, when, One Punch, when I first saw the first episode of One Punch Man, I was like, this is Ikaku. Don't try me like this. This is another Bleach show. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's like time to get that like, serious face on. It's like, bro, like you can't tell me what don't do. Exactly. I was like, no, nah, this is Ikaku before he died. This is who he was. <laughs> No, see, Saitama got isekai way before his time. That's what happened. <laughs> Bro, I swear, it was so fucking funny, though. But yeah, it's like, honestly, literally almost that exact same damn character design. <laughs> minus, minus a little bit of facial paint. That's about it. It's a little bit of facial paint. Oh, yeah, the little red um, going on his own. Yeah. On his eyes. That's about it. Yeah. But anyway, so aside from that, we wound up getting Ikaku versus uh, Ichigo. Ikaku's sitting here like, yeah. And then, of course, Yushima's there. And he's like, no. He's like, you don't have to do this fight. And he's like, you know, I want to do this fight. And you got to understand what division they're from. Like, they're from, you know, Kenpachi's division. This vision is all about fighting. It's just a brief little quick history. If you didn't know about this division, this division was, was actually made to literally carry out the most despicable stuff that needed to be done. <laughs> Not assassinations, but more so of like if you needed someone to go and handle the dark side of shit of society, the person that went to go handle all the, the nasty stuff that needed to happen, that's what this division was. This division has gone through multiple changes. The last time that this division was under someone before Kimpachi, before Kimpachi took over, this division was looked down upon as being nothing but a division of thugs because literally everyone there was either a dead crime boss that had spiritual power or um, was literally just like a rape, like maybe not even so much a rapist because most of them would go straight to hell, but pretty much it, evil, vile people, like criminals and stuff like that. That Whoa. was who made this division. <laughs> so essentially, you know, like, oh man, like, okay, not them, but I want to say the closest that this reminds me of is like, okay, you have this one team where, they're the good guys, obviously, but then we have this like anti-hero team or this anti-villain team. But uh, kind of, but they would attack friend and foe, so it wouldn't really can't necessarily just call them anti-hero. They they did what they no, wanted no, no, to that, do. I want to say anti-hero more anti-villain, and uh, I would say this is more close to like say kind of like the Thunderbolts, but more, a little bit more despicable because. As far as, you know, being a crime boss and being a rapist and all that, it's like, I don't think any of the Thunderbolts did all that shit, but um, nah. murder, they're not above murder. 
I mean, that's anti-hero, so I don't know. <laughs> it, probably, I, I can see what you mean. But yeah, so but like, no, this division has gone through a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yes. Go ahead. But yeah, division's gone through a lot of changes. Kampachi's under, they're now not criminals, but they're still like fucking... Imagine Kampachi is the fucking god of war. That's that's ideally what this is. Like, if you don't want to have the understanding, the Gote 13, to me, is their own like mythology per se you know it's how every single mythology there's always one head there's always like one head god and then there's various different ones underneath and stuff kenpachi is that god of war per se that that's who you would really think it is so <clears throat> that's that's really just what it is on that aspect um so all of them they love fighting that's their biggest thing so they see hey we got someone who's invaded the soul society uh most definitely i am I'm going to be right here. Like, I'm going to fight, bro. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, we're just going to let, captain, let the captain say that the captain said they wanted to handle it. Man, fuck that. I'm right here. I'm going to handle it. So we get this really awesome fight between Ichigo and Ikaku. And, you know, Ikaku winds up bringing out his Shikai, which winds up being a bow staff. And I was like, oh, my God, we got Donatello up in this motherfucker. Let's do this shit. Let's do this shit. <laughs> We've been wanting Leo versus Donatello forever. People don't understand. Donatello is literally one of the most skilled turtles like as far as in range of skill of the skill of the turtles the funniest thing about it is that leonardo is actually the weakest skilled turtle he has great leadership skills and that's why he is the leader you know technically he's also the oldest brother but as far as in weapon skills and fighting skills he is actually the weakest The strongest in weapon skills is Michelangelo. The strongest in hand-to-hand combat is Raphael. But as far as like in straight-up fighting, like fighting tactics and things like that, is actually Donatello. So that's a real thing into that. For most people, don't really understand. And but you know, Splinter knows this. He knows Donatello is actually the best fighter amongst all of the turtles. Anyway, moving on from that. Let's save that for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Exactly. But, but I'm just saying, so, you know, we got Donatello popped up. You know, Ikaku pulls out the bow staff. And so we got these really awesome attacks, like where Ikaku and Ichigo are just, just going at it and stuff. Um, <clears throat> the fight itself, let's be realistic, it did drag on, but it didn't feel like it dragged on because you and you would enjoy the fight as much as they were enjoying the fight. Like they was feeling out of it and stuff, and then eventually Ichigo winds up winning. Um, how did you feel about this fight, Jet Black? Uh, honestly, I don't have that much um to say on the fight itself. It's just more like, like, okay, okay. I mean, it was definitely a good fight. I would say it's a good introduction to Soul Society fights and stuff. Like, obviously, Kaku is not the strong. Is not the strongest. He's not supposed to be the strongest. Now, That's I will say this. Hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. I will say this. Uh, one thing that definitely made for sure is that by Ichimaru. Uh, yeah, Ichimaru. Shit. Uh, See, that's just the whole thing. Your view, all these different anime, and like some of these names just gonna get a little mixed up. It's like you're almost thinking Orochimaru for some reason or something like that. I was like, oh my god, these names. Hold on, uh, Ichimaru. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ichimaru cut that uh, arm off, and you're thinking, okay, this is the power of a captain, and then you kind of at this point, it's just obvious where. 
with the Soul Society arc, it was more like a scaling of things to where uh, Ika- he first fought Ikaku, who uh, last time I checked wasn't a lieutenant, right? Yes. Okay, <clears throat> so he wasn't a lieutenant. And then next, he, he actually fights a lieutenant. I think that was with he was fighting Renji. Yep. Uh, and then he fights Kenpachi, who is a captain. So what this art really did was they were trying to do some uh, power levels where, okay, this is how strong just any other, well, not exactly Ikaku, but uh, any scrub that's in the soul society, okay, this is how strong they are. It's almost like Dragon Ball to, to a degree to where you have like these foot soldiers and then you have the, uh, yeah, Zarbon and Dodoria and then you have the Ginyu Force and then you fight Frieza. It's almost like they would kind of give you a little scaling on how strong each of the fighters is. Just in other words, just when you thought that you went up against this strong guy, there's a stronger guy waiting for you. That's what I like about this art. That's what it, it, it does a very good job to remind Ichigo that there's always a bigger obstacle to overcome. Most definitely, most definitely. But I will say, so the only thing about it is, is that we only get this power progression with Ichigo. We don't get this sure. with, with everyone else. Around the same time that Ichigo is fighting Ikaku, Chad winds up fighting against Shinsui. So Chad immediately moves up to a captain, like on his very first fight. Well, technically, he beat some regular Soul Society members too on the way there, but he immediately goes up against against Shinsui. But this is one of the craziest fights because <laughs> it's, it's completely one-sided. And it was one of those cases that you're like, okay, damn, oh yeah, captain levels is way higher than we thought. Because we have this understanding when Gin shows up, we're like, okay, this is how a ca- this is how powerful a captain is. No. The only thing Gin did was call forth his blade. And that was it. He just called the name of his weapon. He never actually fought. And so it's one of those ones that you can misunderstand that power scaling of that, which is just like, oh, okay, so this is how he fights. He never fought. All I did was say my sword's name. And when I said my sword's name, it immediately attacks on its own. That's his first reaction upon awakening is to attack. See, here's another thing. Another thing that Ichigo has to understand is now that he's a substitute soul reaper, is that he's going up against people who has more experience being that. So in other words, they had way more time to master their abilities with their Zanpato and all that, to where Ichimaru can afford to give Ichigo this demonstration of his mastery over his own Zanpato. So yes, he didn't fight, but that's just to demonstrate that not only are, uh, not only do we kind of uh, beat you in strength, but we also have experience over you. You just started doing all this shit. In fact, you haven't really fought any other Soul Reapers up until uh, Renji and Byakuya for that brief moment while they try to take Rukio away. This is your first time actually fighting against opponents that had more experience uh, doing the same thing you were doing than you do. So, exactly. Yeah, that just just goes to show that not only uh, easier to realize that captains and lieutenants are much stronger than he gave them credit for, 
because they only demonstrate a small percentage of power, kind of like Shaggy. <laughs> you know, like um, the Shaggy. Ultra <laughs> instinct Shaggy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's like they only give you a small percentage of their power, and you're just assuming, okay, they're not that bad. Right, no, no, no. They that that's just misleading. It's like you got a lot, you got a lot to go. Before Plus, also, one thing about it is Ichigo, when he was fighting, until he fought like Byakuya, literally he fought people with that fought with no strategy. And that's, that, yeah. that's, one of the, that's one of the biggest things about that, too. Everyone from Kampachi's divisions, Division 7, everyone from Division 7 is all just about fighting as is, enjoying the fight, moving forward with the fights. However, the biggest thing about it is that it literally, they, they don't strategize their fights. Kenpachi doesn't plan out what attacks he's about to do. He doesn't play things like, you know, like in a chess game or any type of board game whatsoever. It's literally as I feel, as I, I go as I feel. That is how he fights. I go as I feel. And that's where, that's where he becomes most dangerous is because it's sometimes it's unpredictable. And that can be a scary thing when fighting against someone. However, that's also one of the the easiest things about it, where Kenpachi is the strongest, the thing about it is, is what makes Kenpachi so so deadly is the fact that he he's an extremely strong fighter. He is the absolute, like, strength-wise, the strongest. No one topples him in strength. Not even Omei Yama. Omei Yama will, pre- will pretty much has better, he has a better, like, spiritual power, you know, being absolute fire, of course. But then, <clears throat> you know, we still hear you know, for a moment, like it's much later on, but we do hear the fact that even old man Yama struggled with Kenpachi because it was just too much. Kenpachi has extreme stamina, extreme endurance, extreme defenses. He is literally that he's he's almost that nonstop object. He's the not immovable force, the um, never ending force. Uh, and that's you mean like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah, the unstoppable force versus the invisible object. So he's the unstoppable exactly. force. Okay. Yeah, he's the unstoppable force, and damn near nobody in Bleach is an unmovable object. <laughs> Everybody can be moved, and Kimpachi does that. He moves people consistently. So <clears throat> it's literally one of those things. It's like Ichigo had a hard time fighting him to the point that it, this is the first time that we really understand that Ichigo's. Now we don't quite understand yet that Ichigo's bankai is actually his hollow. We don't know that yet. But what we're understanding is that if Ichigo can't fight, if he can't do what he's supposed to do, his hollow will take over. His hollow has already said this. If you, I'm not going to let you die, I will take over. So it doesn't quite happen. His hollow doesn't necessarily have to take over in this fight. However, it's still one of those cases that you wind up getting that slight fear that this may happen. Ichigo has to be able, be able to overpower himself in order to be able to um, fight against Kenpachi. Renji is a Renji. He can be a battle strategist, but when he fights against Ichigo, he doesn't tend to use strategy, and that's one of the things that makes it very different. So he fights very similar to the Seventh Division. However, once he finally goes up against Byakuya, <laughs> raw strength is no longer your battle anymore. Byakuya has immense strength, of course, but he is an excellent battle tactician. He plans things out. He lays traps when he fights. 
he is it's like even for just a prime example like for every fighting game every fighting game has various different characters you have your tank character you have the trap layer and you have like like you have the person that maintains distance you have someone who's kind of a balance in between but just mostly has like the equal amount of distance attacks close range attacks and stuff what makes it very different is when you have someone who's a barbarian like just straight up a brawler a tank that's what ichigo is his even his bankai like his his shikai his bankai is straight up attack 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 it's not so much of a planned out strategy you know everything is attack and as far as he knows he can still only attack from close range he doesn't quite understand that he can attack from a distance yet in fact um ichigo doesn't quite attack from a distance until after the soul society arc he only attacks close range mm. and so we wind up having this versus Byakuya, who is a balanced person. He can attack close range, but can barrage you from a distance until he activates his Bankai. He activates his Bankai. He can still fight close distance, but he mostly becomes a range fighter at that moment. Um, even from various different Bleach games, if most, most Bleach games I've played, um, Byakuya's fighting stance still does the same thing. If you wind up activating his Bankai, and if you're able to like fight in a Bankai state... Not so much as like, oh, it's just a super attack and then it goes back to normal or something like that. If you're able to like fight in a Bankai state, I think like a Bleach Shattered Blade nice. was the first was the first Bleach game I ever played. So this is probably the best example I can give from that. When can I, literally, yeah, go ahead. Can I just say that I'm hearing all this and it sounds good or <laughs> all, but for some reason, I am oddly reminded about. Uh, you know, uh, you remember how Mega Man Battle Network is coming up soon, like the uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah remastered collection is coming up. Okay, you you know how with Chard and Proto Man. Here's my thing with that. Uh, Biakia kind of reminds me of Chard and Proto Man because first of all, with Proto Man, you would think with the way he's built, he's only good for close range. You're wrong. His abilities to where he specializes in sword techniques to where he can slash you from a distance. So technically he's a ranged character too, but he specializes in close combat. So don't let that um don't let that fool you. And second of all, you would think, how does um how do how do they work so well? Like how do they learn how to do this? And then I was playing uh, one of the games. I don't know if it was like three, four, or five. I forgot which one, but it was definitely like deep in there. To where you learn that Chaud practice 10 hours a day, 10 hours a day to be as good as he is. So I translate that to Biakia because remember, there's a whole bunch of um, backstories where later on in the series, you see a whole bunch of um, backstory between Biakia and all the other captains, lieutenants, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of mm-hmm. can tell to where these people have indeed trained to be as good as they are. So definitely, yeah. <clears throat> like really they didn't just wake up one day and was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm a fighter and stuff like that." Like, especially we understand most of these uh, captains, like Biakia and um, most of them ca- captains, Biakia, Kenpachi, and stuff, like, and them, like they, obviously they won't look it because they're in spirit, they're their spirits, and they're not like living bodies and stuff like that. <laughs> but these these characters have trained for. Damn near about hundreds of like about a hundred years. So while Ichigo at this point, he's he's only been a substitute show um Shinigami for like what maybe a, a two months? months. Yeah, yeah, a couple months. months. 
going up against people who have years of battle training. And so it's like, matter of fact, even to graduate out of the academy, you have to be in the academy for at least, I think, like five or six years, if not 10. So when he goes up against Ikaku, Ikaku has 10 years of training. It really just shows how much he held back. Because if Ikaku decided to go all out, even if he didn't go Bankai, just decided to go all out, you know, Ichigo would have not stood a chance. But Ikaku just knew that he was enjoying the fight. And one of the biggest things about it is that literally, and this is something that I mostly get frustrated with because they breeze over in the anime. Um, And I'm not going to say they breeze over it per se, but I've mentioned this in our part one of our review. When I say that this, like the anime and the manga is more of a visual storytelling. Stuff gets said without being said. Like interactions happen from looks, from you watching it happen, watching it play out. Or if you're reading the manga, you're just looking at picture after picture after picture panels. And sometimes there's no words. And so you wind up not quite seeing this. One of the things that actually happened to Soul Society art, and they don't really mention it again until... When, when did they mention it? Um, actually, I think they don't mention it until Aizen first starts back fighting again when they wind up, when Ichigo winds up going back to the Soul Society after this. What winds up happening is, is that they don't even, t- they don't mention it, but some of the head captains in some divisions were nervous that something was wrong anyway. Because Rukia, it gets brought back immediately is announced as a traitor and is immediately sentenced to death but doesn't go through a trial but they always do a trial something was wrong they're like that doesn't make sense they knew something was wrong already on that then all of a sudden rukia's um trial or not trial but her execution gets moved up to several days and that's literally just before the um you know ichigo and the gang show up and they're like something is wrong that doesn't make sense. First, she doesn't get a free, right. she doesn't get a fair trial. And then immediately after that, she's brought up like she something is wrong after this. <laughs> and so because of this, like Ichigo winds up fighting against um various different people. Ichigo in the game fight against various different people. Um, aside from dang, and I'm really, I'm really upset that we did not get a chance to talk about it. Um, because I really want to talk about, you know, the the biggest fight between Quincy and uh and shinigami that happened you, you know what fight i'm talking about but i know we don't have time to talk about it right now frustrated yeah, on I mean, it's, it's all good we, i mean as long as we're still doing the extreme review there's probably going to still be a chance to do it yeah like, hell, we, do, like we, that's we barely got into the soul society so i'm thinking there's already going to be a part two to this it probably is most definitely um but yeah so i mean like there's so many other fights that happened. We didn't even really get a chance to finish talking about the fight between Shinsui and Tret and Chad. But even that one plays out very differently too, because from understanding these captains' orders were to go ahead if need be to execute. They were needed to they were ordered to possibly to kill the invaders, but it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen on purpose because every single person, well, most except for um one fight, but otherwise most every other fight that happens, they're fighting against captains that don't agree with the Rukia's death decision, that they know something is wrong and they know that killing the intruders is wrong as well, that something is something more is going on here, but they won't talk about it. And it's like every time they try to bring it up, it gets bypassed out. And it's like, why? So 
I mean, it's, it, it's so much into that, but that's one of the main reasons why it is that each of them in the game, they get they luck out, per se. They're fighting against people who are purposely holding back because their their energy is best expended somewhere else. They know something else is going on, and that's what they want to focus on. So it's, it's interesting in that aspect, but yeah, we definitely don't have no time to finish talking about it all. <laughs> I feel you and I'm sorry like uh, I felt like I was derailing a little bit with some of my examples but it was just to further illustrate to. my point to where sometimes you can kind of see the storytelling in this to where you can tell when the storytelling is good to where okay you kind of seen this before but it's doing it in a way that sounds unique and at least they're taking themselves seriously enough to where they're trying to make this situation their own and they're also trying to uh, give Ichigo the proper hero's journey to where okay there's this girl I'm trying to save but there's a whole lot of enemies that I have to fight where each enemy is going to be tougher than the last so it's almost like they were trying to properly gauge Ichigo's power to where they need to see if he's even worthy of even fighting a captain because yeah you, you know how they were even when you were saying that okay Kenpachi's men they fought him like almost with like no strategy whatsoever it's almost like saying well we don't really know how capable Ichigo is so we don't even know if he's even uh, worth putting in any real effort unless he proves himself to where he's worth the trouble so that's why by the time you get to like Kenpachi or whatever, he uh, meets Ichigo saying, ah, I found you, my partner, because he knows that Ichigo has uh, white Zangetsu within him and all the other shit to where it's like, we know you have potential now, but we didn't uh, want to believe it until you actually shown it um, in battle. So. Now that you fought uh, these scrubs and these lieutenants, okay, now we need to take you seriously. Now we need to come on um, kill you for real. Mm-hmm. Well, not even, they, and of course, they still didn't wind up killing it because, I mean, yeah, but it's almost like they're taking them more seriously now. <laughs> true, true. I put it in that aspect because it winds up being that point that obviously Kenpachi was sitting here watching everything. Like he saw the fight with um, him and Ikaku, he saw the fight with, uh, with Ichigo and Renji. And still constantly just stay back until he's like, eh, it's not worth my time. Until, you know, he saw a little bit of a spark, but then he was still commanded that, hey, you need to go stop him, Kenpachi. He's like, I don't want to. He's weak. But it was like, Kenpachi, you need to go do this. Go do it. And so I want to be in that point of like, oh, fine, I guess, whatever, and stuff like that. And so then Kenpachi winds up getting involved, not even wanting to, but then he enjoys it. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I didn't think this was going to be an enjoyable fight, but this has become much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> Kenpachi even is like, I can take off my eye patch. And of course, one of the biggest things, like I mentioned, biggest things that saved Ichigo in that fight, because Ichigo should have died, realistically. Ichigo yeah. should have died in that fight, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from plot armor, <laughs> was literally his, um, his inner hollow. That's the only thing that really saved him because his inner hollow's true power and true ability um, honestly scale Kenpachi's at the moment. Like if that moment Kenpachi, when, when Ichigo walked into the Soul Society, if Ichigo knew his own full potential, if he knew 
not even his full potential, but if he it could have at least controlled him. He even him. knew a fraction of his potential. <laughs> yeah, if he even knew a fraction of his potential, he would have been able to truly scale against Kempachi. However, because he doesn't know his power, and then also, you know, Kempachi doesn't know his power, can't even unleash a Shikai, it becomes very different. At that moment, it's like, oh, they're on an equal playing field, but Kenpachi is still significantly stronger. <laughs> it's almost like Ichigo was given basic training, but um, they didn't really give him a direction of where his power can go. It's just more like, okay, well, you're a substitute soul reaper. You're just there uh, just in case we need somebody in the area, but they never really knew. It's like we didn't even know how well Ichigo was built to where, like, I said this before, I'm going to say it again, and I don't know how many more times I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it until um, a point is being made to where Ichigo is built to have all this shit going on to where, like, you really don't know his potential until the story lets you know how deep it goes. So exactly. it's almost like just like how the captains and the lieutenants are surprised by Ichigo's potential, Ichigo himself is put- surprised by potential. Even we're surprised because hell, we didn't know he's going to end up being a substitute soul reaper and a hollow. I mean, not excuse me, not hollow, but more like a visor. We didn't know he's going to be a visor and a full bring and a Quincy too. And it's like, <laughs> oh, turns out that White Sun gets who had this immense power that we just did not understand at first but white sun gets who tried to tell us but we didn't listen and exactly. we're just like holy shit the layers to this Look, character alone exactly and then even understanding this whole time during the soul society art is the fact we don't understand that Zangetsu was purposely holding Ichigo back the whole time. We're thinking that, oh, Ichigo's getting power from Zangetsu, but the whole time Zangetsu keeps telling him, don't fight. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. The whole time, Zangetsu's telling him not to do it, but Hollow Ichigo's the one like, nah, bro, do it. Do it, man. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> you, it was your walk. Uh, yeah. Your walk. Yeah, but I, I don't know how to pronounce that man's name. Like, the, the moment I saw the... In just text, just call him Yuha. Just call him Yuha. Yuha? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that sounds better for me. Like, so Yuha, it's like it was like a younger version of Yuha was in that uh, space with uh, Zangetsu. It was like uh, Yuha was trying to tell him, "Yo, man, like I wouldn't suggest you doing this shit." And then a hollow Ichigo, almost like the double shoulder to Ichigo, he was like, "Nah, bro, you should fight him." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should fight, bro. You should fight, bro. You should fight, bro. I know. But I was like, "You gonna let them talk to you like that?" <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right. Well, I am reaching the end of my time right now, so definitely we'll, I'll be happy to follow this up on a part two. Oh, I just realized what time it is. But yeah, and then that way we can definitely talk about, like, honestly, one of the most important and most important fights that, we ha- that happened during the Soul Society arc that honestly is a really, really great foreshadowing to um, the Quincy's Resurrections. <laughs> so just fantastic fight. Honestly, there's a lot of things in there that's important to mention, a lot of things important to talk about. So that we will get there. But on that note, that's all the time that I have. Did you have any closing remarks, Jet Black? Uh, nah. 
Nah, I'm good. Like, if there's anything I gotta say, it have to wait until part two. So, gotcha. with that being said, Cookie Gasu, I thank you for being on with me for this portion of the Bleach Extreme Review. And I thank everybody for listening to the Bleach Extreme Review so far. We definitely plan on doing a lot better. Like, I mean, personally, I need to do a lot better because, first of all, I was going into this review kind of sick. So, I'm uh, not exactly my A game as far as energy. Man, sickness happens, bro. Don't beat yourself up for a minute. I've been coming to these reviews a couple times sick, too. It's okay. Yeah. The fans demand it. I was like, we need more of you, JB. We need more. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. You got this. You got this. But until next time, what you got, man? Well, yep. Until next time, you stay frosty my friends because some cool things are coming we are zoning out so y'all take it easy